fucks up sluts it's me aisha host of the aisha please podcast back again for another week of shit talking munchies like a mug because you know i'm hitting a j and getting real about the fuck shit that's happening around us so let's not waste any more time let's get into it shall we fucks up sluts it's me aisha host of the aisha please podcast back again reporting live from my office per usual feeling 10 times better than i have in the last few days as we all know your girl is preggers pregnant however you want to do it i got a baby growing in my uterus and it's been giving me a run for my motherfucking money whoo but that's neither to say but that's not to say the least you know everybody's going through some changes right now whether it's you know pandemic changes or you know the fact that we're literally in uh, in a civil war <laughs> right now so it feels good to be in company you know i always feel like uh to always speak your truth and always talk about how you're feeling because you're not going to be alone in this world. And that's not to negate, you know, how you are specifically feeling, but it's just to let you know there is community around you and there are people around you who will support you and that you can talk to or reach out to if you just want to get vulnerable enough. So this episode, we're getting into just that. This episode is titled, Switch It Up So They Can't Pigeonhole You. Anybody who knows me knows I love a good switch up, right? I like to switch up my hair. I like to switch up, you know, my style. I like to switch things up, shake things up, shake the fucking table. I like to make sure that, you know, no one could ever say, oh, Aisha does this this way and always does this this way. She takes this route to work and only this route to work. You will never know because I switch it up on them. But what I want to talk about on this episode is just how we're all in this kind of like shift and change mode and how it's affecting us um, from, you know, my perspective, obviously, how it's affecting me. So the six things that I want to talk about is one, how the pandemic and um, the civil war is affecting friendships, how it's affecting journalism, how it's affecting relationships outside of just friendships. So this could be romantic relationships, like familial relationships, um, how it's affecting healthcare, because I went to my first doctor's appointment today and it was really creepy to be in a hospital during a huge ass pandemic. Um, how it's affecting work schedules and most importantly, how it is affecting us as beings, right? So let's get into it. So I guess I want to start with um, how it's affecting us, right? Because I'm in this weird space where it just feels like, I don't know, like I'm not connecting with the folks that I would normally connect with and the ways that I want to connect with them, if that makes sense. It kind of just feels like, I know that the pandemic is obviously a big portion of this, right? Like not being able to see your friends, not being able to, you know, go out with your friends, um, you know, do the things that you guys do. So friendships, ay, 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 ay. They have been the hardest thing to really 
um, nurture during this fucking pandemic and especially during this civil war. There's been many of folks I had to cut off just because like, I didn't like how they were responding to Black Lives Matter and how they were responding to the fact that Black and Brown people, particularly Black people, are being killed in large numbers and that there are lynchings literally happening that is being ruled suicide by racist systems of oppression problematic. I didn't like how during a fucking pandemic, I was seeing folks going to bars and going to beaches and going, you know, doing these things with others that they were not socially distancing with. So yes, I cut people off. And some people may say, Aisha, that's a little extreme. I don't think it is. I don't think it is because these things are not like political stances. It's not just, you know, oh, I don't, I don't, um, want to be your friend because you vote red. No, these are reasons because, and these people aren't only white, by the way, there's white, black, Latinx, all in between. Everyone could catch these cancel hands from me real quick, real quick. Um, but it's just because it's a human rights thing. People are literally dying and you're out here like, it's no problem. That bothers me. They're either dying from the fucking pandemic or they're dying from literally being murdered and you out here living your life as if <laughs> there's nothing wrong. Like it's just a regular degla summer. Like 2020 has not been canceled. 2020 has been canceled. And if I got to sit here canceled and everybody else got to sit here canceled in hopes of saving other people's lives and in hopes of, you know, providing these systems of oppression with enough pressure on their fucking necks that they change the system, then you should too. You need to be doing your part too. So friendships have been really difficult during this time. Um, I already knew like, you know, what some of these friendships that I'm going to talk about and I'm going to get in the details of it um, too. So I'm not going to hold back because one, one of the people that I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure she don't even listen to the podcast. And that is just a whole other issue in itself. But it's just along the lines of, I want, the only reason why I'm sharing this is not even to be shady because like, listen, if I want to be shady, I'm going to be shady. Like if I got something to say to you, I'm going to say it to your face always. And everyone who knows me knows that this whole 27 years of life, I ain't never been scared of nobody on this motherfucking planet except Prince and Vic, my madre. And even then she could catch these hands too. JK, JK. Who I hope she don't fucking hear me. Okay, thankfully she's outside. Ooh, because she surely would have came out here and be like, I can catch what? You still catch this ass whooping you and your baby. So, who? I think her ass is outside. But um, I just want to share because it's just like, I know I'm not the only one going through this. And I just feel like where my, my presence in this media world is different is that I don't mind being vulnerable. I don't mind, you know, getting into the nit grit and saying shit that folks don't like to fucking talk about. And that's because I just feel like if I'm going through it, somebody else has to be going through it. And just because they're not talking about it, maybe they just need someone else to say something. Because believe it or not, anytime I do a podcast um, episode, anytime, you know, I post anything on the socials, anything like that, I, the response I get back from people saying like, I'm so glad you said this because nobody talks about this and I too am going through this is wild. So I'm always going to speak my truth. I'm always going to talk my shit. And that's why I have a podcast that I produce and that I, you know, put my time in. I'm not being paid to talk about anything and anybody. That's why I'm also going to be taking these motherfucking uh, sponsorships off too, because you know what? I want to give you the raw, unfiltered, all day, every day me. But um, 
that was like a little tangent. But um, yeah, these friendships are hard. So one of the issues that I've been dealing with personally is that I already knew that, you know, when you become a mom, things shift. And I'm in the very prelim stages of motherhood. Like literally, I'm still in the gestational stage. I'm literally still growing my bean. Um, my bean's heartbeat, we heard today, which was really, really cool. Um, so really, really in that prelim stages, but I wasn't expecting to lose friends this early in the game. Like I know you start losing friends later in the game because you can't go to the bars with them like you used to, or pick up and travel as fast as you used to before. So I was expecting that, but I was not expecting the lack of support from some of my closest, closest friends and this outpour of support from my community, from new friends, from my listeners of the podcast, from my followers on Instagram. Like that was what I was not expecting. I was expecting far more support from my inner circle. And that has been very lackluster. So one of my really, really good friends um, has been MIA. MIA. And I get it, right? We're all going through shit. We have a pandemic. We have a civil war. You know, they're moving. They're, you know, there's a lot of moving parts happening. But I just feel like at the same time, that should be a reason why you would want to check in on your pregnant friend who is also like doing a lot of frontline work through her organization for Black Lives Matter. And, you know, in a city that is, you know, because a big Gretch, not really, you know, seeing the same numbers as where they are in terms of pandemic outbreaks. I guess I thought wrong because this person has been NMIA. So I talked to a couple of my other friends and it's just been really rewarding seeing how people show up for you during this time. And I guess what bothers me the most about this whole thing is just it's already a time where everyone's feeling so siloed and feeling so alone and just like that they don't have anyone in their corner because they can't physically see their friends. And then it's like, the least you could do is send your friend a fucking text, like check in on them. Like you going through it? Yes. But they are also going through it. And maybe that's selfish of me, maybe, but I had to have a conversation with my really good friend, Navs, who is also happens to be my co-host on our work podcast, Voices of Ruth Ellis Center, um, which was just featured on Detroit Podcast. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> um, because she's like my voice of reason, right? She's older than I am. She's in her 30s. She has her master's degree. She's just, thank you, computer. I don't know how to turn that off, y'all. I'll figure it out one day. Um I said that when I first got this laptop because I used to need it when I was doing schoolwork because a bitch would get lost in time. And I haven't learned how to turn it off since. Um, but And I had to talk with her because she always gives me that like, bitch, you're doing too much or bitch, you're not doing enough or bitch, reclaim your time type energy. And so I told her how I've been feeling and she was like, well, well, Aisha, because that's what she calls me or Aisha Bear. She was like, you know that you love hard you love really hard and you love really deep and not everyone has the capacity to love as hard and love as deep. And she's right. And I definitely recognize that. That's always been 
you know, just a downfall of being a Pisces and an empath that I'm always pouring way more into others and others are pouring into me. That's no new news for Mr. McGee. That is old news. That's yesterday's news wrapped in. That's like old fish wrapped it wrapped in yesterday's newspaper. I know that about myself. But what bothers me is when others expect you to like have this sort of like pour in into them and expect you to kind of like respond at a, at a finger snap notice for them. And then that same energy isn't returned. And then when you start, you know, pulling back some and just focusing on you, then it becomes an issue. And right now I'm kind of in that phase of my life when it comes to friendships, like this time has really shown me who is here for me and who is not. And I guess why I'm so upset with how, you know, the pandemic and the civil war is affecting friendship is that I don't want, I don't like losing friends. You know what I mean? Like I, I like having a diverse group of friends that I can hang out with and chat with and just have good times with. And granted, I'm not really losing that. I'm more so just recognizing their roles in it. I guess it hurts me so much because one of these, my, my the close friend that I'm talking about is one of my best friends. We've been friends since like, we have an inherited friendship. Our dads were best friends. Um, and because of that, like we kind of like came out of the womb knowing we were going to be friends. And it's always been a little like back and forthy, back and forthy with our friendship. But I was hoping now that we're like in our older age that especially during a time when like your best friend's pregnant and this is something that we've you know always talked about that you would be more around you would be more receptive to them and so I guess that's why I'm just like feeling away but the reason why I bring up on the pod is because I just want folks to know that you you can't pour into folks who aren't pouring into you. And just because you decide to, you know, take a step back, doesn't necessarily say like, oh, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're a mean person. It's more so saying, you know, right now there's a lot of moving parts in the world, right? And I have to really focus on where I want my energy to go. And right now I'm pouring all this energy into you and you're pouring none of it back into me. And that is stopping me from pouring that energy into the rest of my friends who are constantly pouring into me. And that was at least one thing for me that was just like frustrating me is because like, one, I didn't even know that the rest of my like friend group, like I knew they were down for me and that they would be here for me, but the ways that they have been showing up for me has like brought me to tears more than once. You know what I mean? Like, from buying pregnancy journals to dropping, like literally yesterday, my beautiful wife friend, Katie, dropped me off red carnations and like some anti-nausea tea and ginger candies because I have been feeling so nauseous. And it's like, literally she dropped it off. And like, I only took one of one of those nausea candies yesterday. And today I'm like, fine. So it maybe I just needed some loving on me. I don't know. Even though I'm definitely being loved on a lot by my husband and my mother and my brother and everyone. I'm just being a needy bitch. But it's okay to be needy. And it's okay to, you know, ask your friends to show up for you. And I talk to this person, obviously. I'm not just like saying, oh, I feel these ways and I'm not going to tell you. Bitch, you know, when I feel a way, I'm going to come and say something to you. And when I said how I was feeling to this friend, they said to me, well, at least they check other people checking on you. 
that hurt my feelings so much because yes, other people are checking on me, but other people aren't my best friend. Other people aren't, you know, my friend that I've been friends with for 27 years. These are people who have just walked into my life or, you know, have been in my life for a number of years, but like, you're supposed to be my ride or die. You're supposed to be my ace boom goonji. Like we don't travel the world together. We almost risked our lives climbing fucking glaciers in Iceland together. We almost risked our lives swinging in fucking forests in Bali together. So yeah, it's cool that other people checked on me, but where are you? Because whenever you are at any point in need of me, I drop everything I'm doing for you. And I'm here to say, if you are a person like me who also does that, it's okay to pull back because right now there's a lot of shit happening, right? We're trying to figure out what we what next steps we're going to take with this pandemic and how is, how is our future going to look post-pandemic? And then on top of it, if you are a black, brown, or marginalized folk, you trying to figure out how to survive in this civil war on top of the pandemic, on top of just your everyday struggles. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe, you know, one of your family members is sick. Like there's a lot. And sometimes you have to, you know, stop <laughs> pouring into one cup to make sure that your well is full. And that's the kind of point that I'm at with friendships right now. It's been pretty clear on, you know, who is around for and who's around for me in ways that I can be there for them. And that's what I'm doing. One thing also that I have seen a lot of really interesting change in with the pandemic and with, you know, the civil war happening is fucking journalism. Now, we all know I love me a good like tea pour, okay? I love when we get into the knit grit. I love raw, raw news. And it's very rare that you get that. Either you're going to get it from Angela Rye or you're going to get it from Don Lemon. And that's pretty much it unless you're listening to podcasters like myself or like Crystal and Kid Fury from The Reeve. Shout out to them. I love them. That's the only real time, you know, you're going to get that raw knit grit. But recently, because of the pandemic and because of folks not being able to come into studios and not being able to be prepped um, before they go on set and not being able to just, for the producers of the show, just be like, oh, cut, cut to commercial and cut off what somebody's saying, we've been getting these nitty gritty stories that I am just so for. So recently, there was a story um, that Don Lennon Don, Don Lennon, my fucking brain, that Don Lemon covered. And this story was in regards to Miss Connie. Now, if you don't seen that video, you know exactly what, I'm, what the fuck I'm talking about. When they, Miss Connie was in there shopping while they talking about um, renaming the school that's named after Robert E. Lee and Gary Chambers, a phenomenal fucking activist, grinded her ass up on the mic and was like, listen here, Connie, I see you over there shopping and I see that you don't care about what we talk about over here. You should be ashamed of herself. And he put Shorty on front street. Okay. This was a video that went viral. So if you haven't seen it, just go look up Connie or Gary Chambers or Robert E. Lee or go to Don Lemon's page and see it. Because when I tell you that video gave me the life that I never thought I would get from a fucking video, I was so, so fucking hyped. 
when I watched him grind that little white lady up and watch her stomp out in frustration out of that damn board meeting like somebody done pissed in her Cheerios. She was big mad. And then she wanted to release a statement to him. I wasn't shopping. Bitch, there is documented evidence of you being racist at multiple points in your career. There was a time when you slapped a little black boy. And that was on video. Connie, it's time for you to go. It's time. So Don Lemon decided he was going to bring Mr. Gary Chambers onto his show. And bitch, that's when I realized, oh, things are a motherfucking changing. Because they had to Skype, obviously, because like I said, we're in a pandemic and we have to socially distance and motherfuckers ain't getting on planes flying out to fucking CNN in New York just to record a 15 minute episode, which honestly niggas should have been doing that in the beginning from the jump. Like we should have been utilizing Zoom and fucking all these other online ways to communicate. And, but that's neither here nor there. So they're on this thing and Don opens up and he asks him a question and fucking Gary deliver. Gary starts spitting off all of these facts. And I think what was so empowering for me is like, normally this is stuff that I have to go out and seek, right? I have to like find these activists on Instagram or Facebook. I have to, you know, dig through the, the, the bowels of the internet to find folks that are talking real shit. It was so crazy to me. I was like, it's almost like being able to watch a conspiracy theorist talk they shit on live television. Even though obviously Gary Chambers is not a fucking conspiracy theorist and all the shit he was talking about was some real shit that people in New Orleans and Baton Rouge is dealing with. Trust me. He was talking about the systematic racism, the racism in the school, how they just became like a couple years ago, a school that didn't have a segregated prom. He was reading these white people for the filth that they are period. The dirty feet, the dirty legs, the non-hand-washing asses, the only washing your hair whenever you feel like it, and dry shampooing it the rest, the non-panty-wearing Beckys. He was reading them for the filth that they are. And it was the best shit that I had ever fucking witnessed on live television, that I had to go onto the Facebook, find Don Lemon's account, because I don't even follow his ass on Facebook, and reshare it on my Facebook, because I just could not motherfucking believe that Gary got to say it with his whole chest and get that shit all the way off. And then, because the video was like, you know, logging, Gary, I mean, Don couldn't like, oh, Gary, oh, Gary, hold on a sec. He couldn't like interrupt him. So Gary got it all off his chest. And then Don was like, well, that's like coming up on our time. Is there anything else that you want to say? And I was like, yes, because he deserved that full little 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long it was to talk his shit because his shit was true and it was right. And it was righteous. Okay. So I've been really excited about how journalism is going is going post, you know, I mean, um, during quarantine and the civil war. I think that we're finally starting to see, you know, real journalism, people really fucking talking about the real issues, not just telling us, you know, that the company, uh, picnic is next week or some dumb bullshit like that. Or, Oh, this turtle has been trying to cross I 95 for the last two days. Bitch, nobody don't care about that. Tell me why, Connie over here shopping while we having a very serious fucking discussion about racism in Baton Rouge and why the name of the of our children's high school should not be named after Robbie E. Lee, who literally wanted them to remain slaves. That's what I want to know. 
I don't give a fuck about what y'all, what the, the other shit y'all talking. I don't. I really don't. So on that list of things that the pandemic and the fucking uh, civil war has changed, friendships, journalism, and fucking relationships. Now, unfortunately, the divorce rate during this pandemic is at an all-time high. Um, there's been many reports of it. You Google is your best friend. Fucking Google it and you will see. Niggas being inside with each other too much is really starting to cause some issues, whether it's in marriages, whether it's in families, in family relationships, whether it's mother-in-laws and son-in-laws, whether it's brothers and sisters, granddaddies and grandpappies and grandmammies, everybody out here getting on each other's motherfucking nerves. And it got me to thinking, were, is it the pandemic or is it just the fact that we were so used to numbing ourselves with external activities that we were never really truly engaging with our partners and with our family in ways that were meaningful. And so now that we are forced to engage with them, we're starting to see maybe some of our views don't align. Maybe some of our thoughts don't align. Maybe, you know, this ain't for me, right? Um, in my case, I feel like my relationship has been better. I feel like I've gotten to spend so much more time with my mom and my brother because even when we knew that they were moving here, they were like, my mom said, my brother, look, we ain't never going to see Aisha because Aisha's always working. But because I took that sabbatical at work and now because I'm pregnant and I'm home all the time even more, I've really gotten to have this relationship with my mom and my brother who I haven't lived with since I was 18. So this is a major thing for me. However, I recognize that that's not everyone's reality. And it's not to do a comparison of, oh, my life is better. It's more just to acknowledge that, like, there are some folks who are in, like, emotionally and physically abusive, like, pretty much trapped in these homes with their abusers. And what resources do we have for them? How are we helping them? I think about this every single day I do. I literally think about it every single day, multiple times a day, because as I'm sitting here laying on my couch, not right now, but normally as I'm laying on my couch feeling nauseous and I have a slew of people bringing me water and snacks and cooking dinner for me. I made my first meal in a long time last night and it was quite delicious. But as I'm, you know, having this amazing support system, I can only think about those who don't and how can we support them? And that's why, you know, my group Smoke, I've been so adamant on like taking myself away from the protests and putting myself back into the neighborhoods and making sure that, you know, we are doing food drop-off and baby drop-offs. As we know, there's a big ass baby boom happening. People are giving birth in quarantine as well as getting pregnant in quarantine. How are we supporting those mothers? How are we supporting those mothers who are in abusive homes? How are we supporting children who aren't getting their three square meals a day and who is relying upon the school system to provide them with at least one what are we doing for them? So that's really where my focus has been with my group Smoke is really making sure that we're talking about those things and not only just talking about them, but providing actionable results, right? Like hosting food drives, having a food table where, you know, we work with gleaners and forgotten harvest to have a food table 
where folks can literally take as they need and also drop off food as they need, like stuff that's not serving them? Are we also providing folks with ways to learn how to cook? My neighbor across the street, she's a 19-year-old young girl who's pregnant right now. And I've really been, you know, taking her under my wing because it's been really nice to have another pregnant person around. And she told me the other day that she only knows how to cook things that are already pre-cooked and frozen. So I was like, we need to figure out a way to teach like a cooking class, even if it has to be virtually for fresh produce and fresh meat. And I asked her if that's something she would be interested in. She's like, yeah, I'm about to have a baby and I don't know how to cook for it. And so these are the things that keep me up at night, right? Is how are we showing up for folks who don't even know, like don't even know that they need someone to show up for them? Right? Are we making sure that we're providing resources and making sure that there are no barriers to those resources? Because it's one thing to say, "Oh, I have all these resources," but how are you? Are how accessible are those resources? Accessibility is one of my biggest, biggest like things. Like I hate when people are like, "Oh, well, they have these programs, okay, but are they providing transportation to go to the offices to help fill that paperwork out? Is there a TA or someone there that helps these young people fill out this paperwork or these pe- like people in general fill out this paperwork? Is there someone there that can translate for someone who, you know, might be hard of hearing or might speak another language? Because then you don't really have resources then. Those aren't resources to me. If your resources aren't accessible to everyone, every single walk of life, then they aren't resources. They're just other barriers. And that that's like, it bothers me. It makes me so fucking mad when people don't recognize that not everyone has access to the same fucking things as you. And because of that, that means that when you are providing resources to these people, you need to think outside of your own fucking perspective, out of your own mind, of out of your own access, and think about if I was a person with minimal like access, how would I be able to get these resources? That should always be in the back of your mind. That should not even always be in the back of your mind. It should always be on the front of your mind. Like, I'm literally always thinking about that. Like, literally, me and my husband went for a walk the other day, and I was like, look at this. This is supposed to be a ramp where you could, like, we have, like, this greenway walking path where you're supposed to be able to ride your bike, roller skate. How the fuck somebody can be able to ride their bike and roller skate when I was riding my bike and there's a big-ass curb? So that means that someone in a wheelchair is not going to be able to use this fucking greenway. Someone in crutches is going to be able to use this greenway. Someone with a motorized scooter isn't going to be able to use this greenway. Someone with a bike won't be able to use this greenway. So you can only walk the greenway, which means it's not accessible. That's not accessibility. How is it a huge ass curb that's leading to a speed hump that then leads to a huge ass curb where I have to stop, break my bike, get down off the curb, roll my bike to the other curb, pop it up over. Like that's not accessible. That's not accessible. And that's something the fucking city of Detroit did. Go figure. You know how many times I'm walking down the street and saying like, oh, this would not be a space for someone who was, um, for a person with disabilities, because how would they get on this sidewalk? How would they be able to cross the street without the little thing that you are able to push for the stop sign? Because the red lights, I mean, the lights change so fast. If I, you know, was a person with disabilities, how the fuck I'm going to walk across the street that fast or ride across the street that fast? Resources are not resources unless they are accessible to all. Get it tattooed on your face. Tell your boss. 
tell your friends, tell fucking everyone you know. Because I'm so sick of people saying, oh, well, I have some resources. I would like to provide resources. Are you providing support around the resources? Are you providing accessibility around these resources? If not, then they're not fucking resources and don't tell me you got them. Period. Hmm. Well, let's take a little break before we get into other three. The next three topics that we're going to get into is how the pandemic and how the uh, civil war is affecting healthcare, work, and then us just as beings. We'll be right back. I'm back, bitch. So I told you I was like taking a break, but I also told you that I'm not going to have any fucking uh, sponsors anymore or any ads in the podcast. That was just a break for me to go pee and check in with my fam <laughs> and see what they're doing. I don't have a script when I'm doing these podcasts. I don't, I think that it's just better if I just kind of do it raw and unfiltered how I like everything to be done. I feel like when you're talking from your heart, um, that's when the truth speaks. Ooh, that was kind of deep. <laughs> um, and coincidentally, I was just talking to them about our healthcare appointment. And that's the first topic that we're coming back in from this break with is how the pandemic and the civil war is affecting healthcare. So as a new mommy, and I, I really feel bad for all moms that are pregnant or giving birth right now. Um, during this pandemic, because it it, it it can make you feel really siloed because you're, you kind of have to do a lot of these appointments by yourself. Like today, my husband wasn't able to come with me to this appointment because he wouldn't have been able to come back and actually be in the ultrasound. He would have had to wait in a waiting room. And then that would just be him just waiting around a whole bunch of sick people, which doesn't really make sense to then come back to his pregnant wife with a compromised immune system that it didn't make sense. Um, And that's a common thread for a lot of people. Um, I think what was the most scary about going into the hospital is that like literally as soon as you walk in, the guy sprays your hands down with hand sanitizer. He takes your temperature. He asks you a set of questions about whether or not you, you know, have been around anyone that has been out of the country or around anyone who has shown COVID symptoms. And then you are, you know, obviously you have to put your mask on. If you don't have a mask, one is given to you and then off you go. And all throughout the hospital is six feet distancing. The chairs are marked off saying, do not sit here. You need to keep six feet. Like this chair is closed. There's not even like the little water refill stations, nothing. Um, It's very, very, very isolating, um, which obviously has to be because the pandemic is something that is highly contagious. Um, and at first I was like, when I was seeing all of these changes, I was like, I don't know how I feel. And now I'm just kind of like, you know, I think that a lot of these things, like even when this pandemic is over needs to carry over into how we move forward because now I'm starting to see like them wiping down the things more often. Like these are all things that we should have been doing to stop the spread of sickness and disease. You should have always been spraying people's hands down with hand sanitizer when they're coming to a fucking hospital, unless they're coming through the emergency room. These are all like just things that I kind of, I guess 
was hoping that the hospital was already doing, like wiping down the buttons in the elevator and wiping down, you know, the chairs and just wiping down everything. Like I thought that was something y'all was already doing. Um, so to kind of be, to see how things have shifted now in this pandemic, I'm like, I hope a lot of these fucking habits that we all have established continue to stick. Um, except for the fact of not being able to have support when you go to the hospital. Cause I know that's really sad. Like I saw a lot of like older couples there who their, their partners came with them, but they had to wait in the lobby and they did because it's just like, they didn't want their partner to go in there without, or at least come into the hospital to potentially see horrible news by yourself. Like even the lady, when I was like checking in, she was like, I just think that it's so weird. You know, I understand that, you know, they can't have the partners back there, but like, so what you supposed to receive bad news by yourself? And I was like, yeah, like, what if they would have told me my baby was in my fucking fallopian tube? You think that's something I would want to hear by myself? No, thankfully that's not the case. Knock on wood, my baby is healthy and their heartbeat is beating so beautifully and they're super tiny. And the fucking um, doctor, technician, ultrasound lady, she's like, oh, they're so adorable. Even though I'm pretty sure she says that to all the gestational sacs. <laughs> but it felt good to hear that my gestational sack baby was adorable. And I got a video that I'm going to watch after this recording of this episode. I can't wait. But those are just some changes that I personally observed in the healthcare system. Um, I know that a lot of my friends who, a lot of my friends are nurses and doctors and stuff like that. Um, and I know that they've just been saying it's been grueling, you know, and we need to really rally around our healthcare professionals at this time. Like they're pulling double shifts. Even the lady who was checking me in, she said, they had me here since seven o'clock yesterday. Sis, it was 930 in the morning when I was there. She been there for a full 24 hours and they were asking her if she could stay late. And she was like, no, I'm not. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't let these people run you ragged. Okay. I understand that, you know, we a little short on staff, but you know, you also have to take care of you, which brings me, thank you very much, which brings me to my next topic on what the pandemic and the civil war is affecting, and that is work. So many of us right now are either working from home, are either collecting unemployment, or are still going to work every day to provide essential services to fuck-ass people who don't want to wear a fucking mask in the fucking stores, Becky, Karen, Sarah, Libby. Because it's y'all. I ain't seen not one black person out, Latinx, Anybody that's not, I have not seen any non-black people or black people, I mean, any non-white people or black people out without fucking masks. But you want to know what I did see in BJ's? I did see a fucking white lady sniffling with no mask on and her fucking little six-year-old son with his hand running across, up and down the aisles, running his hand up and down shit. That's what I did see, though. That's what I did see. And I did not fucking like it. Be appreciative. People are out here, like our essential workers, they are risking their lives and the lives of their families to be out here and providing you services. The least you can do is put on a fucking mask. We are tired, okay? Run down. Okay, and I 
I'm technically before I was on sabbatical was an essential worker because of the work that I do. But thankfully, um, a bitch is on sabbatical. But show some respect to these people. Because guess what? If they didn't get up this morning and if they didn't put their mask on to come to work, your ass wouldn't get groceries. Your ass wouldn't get mail. All them packages you fucking ordering, them fucking postal workers have to deliver it. The fucking man, there was a man recently, um, something Lancaster, his last name is Lancaster, in fucking Detroit, who left the damn Amazon truck with the keys in it, packages in it, car still running on fucking 12 mile at, by, in Southfield. Because he felt like he was being run ragged like a fucking slave. So he said, fuck this job. I'm the fuck out. And you know what? (laughs) To that man. Because y'all really taking this pandemic shit and being like, oh, well, we need to see you work 10 times harder. How the fuck you expecting people's work ethic to be at an all-time high when we're in a fucking war? A war of disease and a war of racism. Bitch, are you out of your fucking mind? That's wild. And it's crazy because the way that, come in. I gotta go. Okay, I love you. Oh, you go, where are you going? The office. Oh, you gotta work today. I said one o'clock. Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay, <laughs> bye, essential worker. I love you. The way in which we have my husband, the essential worker, he works for the city, making sure that people stay in their homes through tax um, uh, approvals. So, like, he, I don't really know how to explain it, but pretty much, like, there's an issue in Detroit of people's houses being taxed at these astronomical rates. And he pretty much proves that, like, that's absurd and that this person's on a fixed income and cannot afford that. We need to readjust their taxes. And I think it's like the most. It makes me want to cry because I think that it's like just such real work. Because when we talk about access, right, we're talking about people being able to be in their homes longer and being giving more resources that are accessible to them because my husband has made, has fought for them. It's just just beautiful. But y'all asking a lot. Y'all asking a lot from people, really. And it's just like, I find it funny how all of these jobs that you ha- you guys have been saying, especially when we're talking about accessibility, there's been so many places that have been um, persons with disabilities phobic. I don't even know if that's like a real word, but they have been like just saying, oh, well, I'm sorry. In order to do this job, you need to lift 10 pounds or I'm sorry, in order to do this job, you need to be able to come into the office. And now we're finding, bitch, everything can be done through the internet. Every single last one of y'all is working from home. All y'all corporate motherfuckers is working from home. To be quite honest, even groceries are being done from home through shipped and, you know, all these other things. So the next time your boss tells you that your ass can't work from home, tell him to kiss your ass and remind him of the 2020 pandemic when everybody had no choice but to work from home. How about them apples, Greg? How about them apples, Kevin, Mark? Shit. It's it's crazy. It's really crazy. And then it leads me to my final 
final point on all of this. And that is how the pandemic and the civil war is affecting us as beings. I have seen some beautiful um, activism. I have seen some beautiful advocacy. I have seen some beautiful um, snippets of self-care. I have just been seeing people pour into themselves in ways they have never been able to pour into themselves. And it brings tears of joy to my eyes because for too long, black, brown, and marginalized folks have been grinding, grinding from sun up to sundown and then some to make a space for ourselves in this world to survive in this world and to see so many people being able to take time to garden, take time to do their own hair, take time to do their nails, take time to make meals for themselves and their families, take time to play board games with their families. When me and my husband go on our walks in the neighborhood, we see people out on their front porch playing board games. We see people, you know, playing in the little kiddie pools with their kids. We see people taking walks with their kids. And I had never really seen that before. And we're seeing this because of this pandemic and of this civil war. People are coming back to connecting with themselves and with humanity. And that is what is needed for us to progress as a country and for us to progress as a society and as a world. We have let allowed, we have allowed capitalism to silo us into thinking that we have to be for self and for self only. And self-care has turned that on its head by saying, yes, there's a way to be for self and self only, but not in a you know, selfish way, but in a care for yourself way so that you can care for others way. And it's just been beautiful to watch this grow and watch people be able to like tap into their creative talents. I've seen one of my friends, Angie, has always been a phenomenal like yoga teacher, right? And she's a black woman, um, you know, never had the time to just, you know, she, when we first met and she first started working at our job, um, the Rothella Center, she was, you know, going to school to get her yoga teaching like degree or whatever. Or what, I forget whatever it's called. Certificate, whatever. My brain is shit now because of this baby. I didn't know that baby brain was real, was real, but it really fucking is. As well as your mouth being filled with spit. That's why I sound the way I do. So. I've been able to watch her like teach classes. She, we, we did a class on the beach that was socially fucking distanced. We were all six feet from each other and we created a six feet circle around everyone else so that no one would come into our circle. Even though these two white guys tried to come in there and we, we cussed them out and was like, are you about to pay her for her services? And then they fell back and then everyone else on the beach shamed them until they fucking left. That's a story for another fucking day. I think I even talked about it on my Instagram. So go look. But and I've just seen how happy it makes her. I've been looking at my friends just become more grounded in the things that they enjoy and in their hobbies. My wife, my wife friend Katie has been baking these delicious fucking things. She made a delicious Dutch baby with this berry compote. She's been making all of these delicious fucking things. And I'm just like, people didn't have time before to like literally exist and live. And because of this pandemic, yes, it's crazy. People 
you know, are dying. People are getting sick. We are losing so many people, but I'm also watching people actually live for the first time in a very long time. People actually love on each other for the first time in a very long time. People actually finding joy in life again. And that's just crazy to me because I'm like, we're in one of the most joyless times I could think about. Like, we're in a time right now where people are freaking uh, killing and murdering people and then coughing in people's faces, which honestly, that should be a crime. That should be a crime. I watched a video the other day where this lady coughed in this man's face and he should have whooped her ass and that should have been supported in the court of law because what she did was attempted murder. Coughing in somebody's face is attempted murder during a time of a fucking pandemic, bitch. And let me catch, I'm just waiting for the day, you know? I don't know if it's like, maybe I put off a certain type of energy that says, bitch, I will lay you the fuck out, baby or no baby. But I'm waiting for the day a Karen, Sarah, Libby, Becky, you know, Christine. I don't know. I'm thinking of the whitest names I can think of. I'm waiting for the day. A, a Greg, a Craig, whatever the fuck, a, a, a Jerry, a, a Kevin, a Brett. I'm waiting for the fucking day one of the motherfuckers try me. That'll be the last time you try a motherfucker ever again. Because, bitch, for one, these hands don't play. And for two, I carry a fucking 40 cal. And it, my first bullet in that bitch is a hollow point. So try me if you want to. That'll be the last time you try anybody the fuck else. And that'll be the time I'll be getting tried in court for killing your ass. Hmm. Motherfuckers got me fucked up. I'm waiting for the day. Because I ain't recording shit. I'm laying you the fuck out. I'm laying you the fuck out. I'm two-piecing your ass and stomping you the fuck out. I ain't recording shit. I ain't publicly shaming you. I'm publicly whooping that ass. I'm publicly laying that ass down in the ground, six feet or more. That's what I'm doing. Your family gonna be having a fucking social distance funeral for your ass. You cough in my motherfucking face. You spit on me. You call me a motherfucking nigga. That'll be the last words you ever fucking utter. You won't even be able to swallow when I'm done. And that's me, and that's on me and my baby. We both gonna whoop your ass. Try me if you want to. And that's the kind of energy I want from the rest of y'all. Stop letting these white people spit on y'all, cough in y'all faces, push y'all, call y'all niggas, all this shit, call the police on them. Whoop they ass. That's their problem. That's white people's problem. They never had their ass whooped. They've been walking through this world thinking that they have all these fucking privileges and that they white skin not only allows them the privilege of not getting shot by the police, but also allows them the privilege to spit in your face. And they also fucking think that they don't got to wear a mask because apparently white privilege also cures fucking coronavirus. Fuck their ass up. Start whooping these motherfuckers' ass. They need an ass whooping. That's what the fuck they need. Y'all over here being fucking crystals and sage with they ass, bitch. I could be a crystal and sage incense burning bitch all I want to, but I'm going to still lay that ass out when it's time to lay that ass out. Because what you're not going to do is have me fucked up. And that's on who? Aisha, Rosalie, Schultz Bradley, period. My mama didn't raise no fool. And my mama did not also raise a bitch that allowed some bitch to spit and cough in her face and call her a nigga. That's when that ass is grass. That's when I'm tapping that ass. That's when you are dead. 
period. Who the fuck? What the fuck? I've been so flabbergasted at how these people have been walking away. I, <laughs> old girl um, who was choking out her dog. Bitch, I would have had to put the camera down and tap that ass real quick and continue on with my bird watching. But you know what? He was a black man in New York City, so that was not an option for him. We talking about accessibility? That was not a resource that was accessible to him because had he had done that, he would have been another hashtag and then we would have been even more turned up and probably would have burnt her fucking house down with her in it and her dog too. Cause you know how white people feel about their dogs. Even though when I watched that video of her choking the dog, I was so I was like, maybe that's why it was such a uh, quick, you know, re um, repercussions doted out because they saw her choking that fucking dog. That's the only reason why. They was like, oh no, she choked the dog. Not the fact that she was literally calling a death sentence on a black man. Go figure. But it's okay. We getting there slowly but surely. Y'all gonna learn today to stop fucking with black people. We done. We tired. Tired of playing with y'all. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts on how the fucking <laughs> pandemic and the Civil War is affecting our friendships, our journalism, our relationships, our healthcare work, and us as fucking beings. Um, some of those ways are, you know negatives, but you know me, I always got to find a silver lining in every fucking stormy cloud. Even when that cloud is like a fucking thunderstorm cloud, lightning and hail rain coming out, still got to find a silver lining because at the end of the day, if you don't find it, nobody's going to find it for you. You got to find your own joy in this world. And I hope you take that time to do that, whether it's from listening to podcasts, whether it's, you know, finding yourself a real powerful vibrator and just vibing your clit off to that shit numb, whatever you got to do, do it, do you, because this world is a fucked up place and it's only getting more fucked up. And we got to find our silver linings in our pockets of joy, wherever we can find it. And remember black people, specifically black women, because you know, I do this for us and us only. We in particular have to, have to feel joy. Our joy is a whole act of resistance in itself. They don't want us to be happy. They don't want us to love our skin and love who we are. They don't want to see us roller skating and happy. Yes, I ordered myself some roller skates. And yes, I will be the bitch roller skating down the block. <laughs> They don't want to. They don't want that for us. So that's why you got to do it. Even if you never step foot to a protest, even if you never share, you know, um, the fact that we need to um, kill Brianna, <laughs> kill Brianna Taylor's murderers. And yes, that's right. I said kill them. I don't want them in prison. I want them dead. And that's not a controversial statement. That's my statement. Because the motherfuckers shouldn't be able to live when you kill somebody that was sleeping could even defend themselves. For no fucking reason, literally, because you in the wrong motherfucking house. Y'all niggas should be dead. 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 Dead and under the jail. Buried under the jail with no gravestone. Dead and fed to pigs. Why haven't the fucking murders of Rihanna Taylor been killed yet? Why? I don't understand because it's just like, we know these motherfuckers ain't going to get them justice. So where the gangbangers at that be killing and shooting kids by accident? Go kill the motherfuckers that need to be killed. Them. 
Stop shooting up the block and go shoot up they block. Stop accidentally letting stray bullets hit these babies and let them hit the killers of Breonna Taylor. Why don't you go do a drive-by at a fucking KKK meeting? And stop doing these drug drive-bys and these gang drive-bys. We don't got no time to be fighting each other. We got to kill these fucking white supremacists. And I don't give a fuck if that's called inciting a fucking riot. Bitch, we are in a full-blown war. Niggas need to die. I ain't got time to wait for this fucking court system that was never meant to protect me. I ain't got time for that. I want blood. I want to see bloodshed for bloodshed. An eye for a motherfucking eye at this point. And you can tell him I said it. I don't care. Ain't nobody coming over here stopping me from recording. Okay? Whew. I got a little fucking mad right there. Because this Breonna Taylor shit hits too close to home. Because that could have easily been me. And not only because it could have easily been me, but because it was easily one of my sisters. My sister in skin. My kin sis. My skin kin sis died after a hard days of work being an essential worker because motherfuckers wasn't checking paperwork properly and maybe they did and just had one to, I don't know what the fuck why the fuck they did that to her I feel like it, it not to be a conspiracy theorist but it ain't no way in hell you just accidentally pop in the wrong house and do some shit like that that don't even make no goddamn sense and they still out here living. That motherfucker was in the store, fucking grocery shopping, buying Oreos. So he getting essential food. And that white lady was like, essential? And white people be like that lady in that video when she saw Breonna Taylor's fucking killer in fucking Walmart. She called him the fuck out. Be like her. Be like the white woman who rallied around that black family in Montclair, New Jersey, where that lady was trying to be racist to these two black attorneys. Be like them. Be the white people that's getting on other white people's nerves. That's the only white people I want to deal with. White people that's making other white people mad. Racist white people mad. Well, I'm tired and I got to pee. So... This is your girl, Aisha, host of the Aisha Please podcast, letting you know that I love you. We got to take time for us. Self-care is essential. That's not just bubble baths. That's also just sitting, getting some time to sit in your own mind and meditate maybe or write in your journal. And I also want to let you know new episodes will now be released on Wednesdays. And we're only doing Wednesday episodes. I feel like I was putting out a lot of content for y'all motherfuckers and wasn't really getting the appreciation for that content. I remember when we talked about making sure we put pouring into folks who are also pouring into us. So now I'm, I'm still pouring into y'all, but with one episode a week instead of two. Okay, I hope that's cool with you. And if not, you can always listen to another podcast on Monday and support another black female podcaster or black queer podcaster or just a black podcaster period with all their intersections i love y'all stay safe out here it's always fuck white people to the death of me and stop letting these motherfuckers try you whoop these asses whoop they asses i love y'all bye All right, friends. So this is Aisha, 
host of the Aisha Please podcast signing out. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I hope that um, it helps you in whatever way it needs to help you. Or maybe it's just cool to hear some really interesting shit about me. I don't know. Whatever your kick is, I hope that you got to get it from this episode. Whatever your reasoning for listening in. I really hope that um, this one was a good one for you as much as it was a good one for me. You can find me um, on all socials. The Insta is um, at the... God, I always have to look because I have to do it differently. And on each one. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. But yeah, so you can find me on Insta at the Aisha Please Podcast. That's T-H-E... T as in tiger, H as in house, E as in egg, E as in egg, Y as in yes, E as in egg, S as in Sam, H as in house, A as in apple, please podcast, okay? That's my Insta handle. You can find me on motherfucking Twitter at, uh... At Aisha Please Pod, E Y E S H A P L E A S E P O D, Aisha Please Pod. You can also follow my personal Twitter if you want, which is just Aisha Please, E Y E S H A P L E S E. Um, I'll see you on these interweb streets. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at I am Aisha at AishaPlease.com. Love y'all. Peace. All right, friends. So this is Aisha, host of the Aisha Please podcast, signing out. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I hope that um, it helps you in whatever way it needs to help you. Or maybe it's just cool to hear some really interesting shit about me. I don't know. Whatever your kick is, I hope that you got to get it from this episode. Whatever your reasoning for listening in, I really hope that um, this one was a good one for you as much as it was a good one for me. You can find me um, on all socials. The Insta is um, at the... God, I always have to look because I have to do it differently and on each one. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. But yeah, so you can find me on Insta at the Aisha Please Podcast. That's T-H-E, T as in tiger, H as in house, E as in egg, E as in egg, Y as in yes, E as in egg, S as in Sam, H as in house, A as in apple, please podcast. Okay. That's my Insta handle. You can find me on motherfucking Twitter at, uh, <laughs> at Aisha please pod E Y E S H A P L E A S E P O D Aisha please pod. You can also follow my personal Twitter if you want, which is just Aisha Please, E-Y-E-S-H-A-P-L-E-S-E. Um, I'll see you on these interweb streets. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at I am Aisha at AishaPlease.com. Love y'all. Peace.